0: yo 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 what is up and welcome to episode 14 of our hella confusing 20s it's me again your boy jeremy you know the podcast about how difficult your 20s are and how they're so different from what we thought they would be when we grow up and we have to become an adult and grow and do all these things and figure out how to find contentment and peace and happiness, but also be useful and make money and make plans for the future and all. I'm here to talk about what I'm going through and what we're probably all going through together and let's you know how to get through with a hopeful outlook on life. It's crazy in these COVID times, especially. So, you know, in this episode, I, I've been getting like real philosophical lately. I got into the work of this dude, Alain de Botton. His first book on love was published in 1993, the year I was born. What are the chances? And I only heard about him this year and he's still writing. and He's still doing all these things, mostly about relationships. Found very insightful. I ponder the idea that life is better when you try to make now the destination. Sounds so cliche, but getting rid of the destination. And then in just embracing the vulnerabilities, the imperfection that we all have as people. And then I contemplate, you know, what does it truly mean to be an actor? What are five things that art might do? Which is kind of a straight Jack of Alain, but I kind of put my own thoughts into it. And then I just talk about some of my personal struggles over the past few years, things I have overcome, things I'm working to overcome, and maybe, uh, you know, you could relate to. And I close all of it out with what's basically my artistic statement. You know, I think it's, I feel like we all have an artistic statement or like in our hearts in the sense of what's kind of the, the impact we want to make on the world, you know, and it doesn't have to necessarily be artistic. It's, I guess you could say it's like an impact statement. Um, And I kind of talk about, I think we got to remind ourselves of that sometimes or we can get lost. And I remember I, I've kind of known mine for, you know, years and years and years and years, but I don't think about it enough. And when I think about it, I feel connected to my purpose and I feel more confidently situated to move through the world and do good. And uh, so, yeah, hope you enjoy the episode. I had this thought. I was like, yo, what if I did? like daily podcasts. What if I, you know, like just like a little cuz I I've been listening to like what's what is it fucking called? Up First NPR. They give you the daily news, right? And I was like, "Yo, what if I did that, but just about ideas that I think have been beneficial to me in the struggles of our 20s and maybe could be beneficial to other people." And then I was like, "Nah, fuck that because then I I wouldn't like if I was like consistent and then people were tuning in regularly, and they were like, oh shit, what's he going to say today? And now I'm pressured to have to make content? <sighs> Fuck. Fuck that. <laughs> I do this shit when I want. I do it when I want. I do it when I feel like it. But yeah, whatever. I'm just going to make short videos. I'm going to short things I'm talking about. Um, I think it's so crazy, too, just like making this, right? Like it's like. The insecurities that that start to go through my head, like, oh, no one's gonna fucking care that you're making this. Nobody's gonna watch this. Nobody's gonna get value out of it. You know, people will judge you. People will think all of these things. It's sad how just pretty wired we are to that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like we're so, we're just so wired to not try. That's why it's so extraordinary when someone not only tries, but then has. The consistency to just endure, you know, week after week, year after year, until something kind of pops off. That's what I, that's, dude, that's like the fucking, that's a wisdom right now that I have realized is a lot of these motherfuckers that are super successful are just as corny, if not more corny, than a lot of motherfuckers at the bottom. But they've just been plugging shit out and been consistent enough to build up an audience, and like you, you've kind of made your way outside of that immediate circumference, that little zone, that area where it's like immediate friends, people who actually know you in real life, friend. Yeah, and fr- I'm gonna say friends again. Hey, Jeremy, how many times do you want to say the word friends? Um, but like just people that actually, let's just say that people that are in your real life, chances are they don't give a fuck about you. They don't really care. They're not going to spend time to engage. They're not going to spend time to like, like you put out like an hour long thing. You're much more likely to have a complete stranger listen to it because they don't have that baggage of knowing you as an actual living, breathing human being, seeing you up close, seeing the things that make them you know, turn their turn away their face in disgust. Just give that sneer. (laughs) What's my whole point in saying this, man? it feels good to just create it feels good to just express for the sake of expression art as healing, art as therapy um and not being so tied to the to the outliers of it that's another so that's something that really what I wanted to start talking about. I just went on a fucking tangent, uh but it wasn't a tangent because I hit the chord. it wasn't a tangent because it was in my heart, you know, I was really thinking those things I was feeling those things. And I wanted to kind of, and it just came out of me. But the reason why I wanted to turn on the camera today is because I recently have encountered the work of this philosopher, I think he's like Swiss English, Alain de Botton, when his name sounds so French to me, doesn't that sound so, hey, it's spelled like Alain de Botton, Alain de Botton, everyone pronounces it, and here is Alain de Botton, dude, imagine if people put that much emphasis on trying to pronounce names of black and brown origin, if they put as much effort into the, what they'll be able to. And here is Mange ma baguette. He's like, bro, aren't you American? What, what do you. I, say Mange my baguette, dude. You don't have to say Mange me you. <laughs> 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 Fucking pretentious assholes. Pretentious assholes. But anyway, um, Alain de Botton. I was just so refreshed by his ideas. And I was like, wow, this is. Uh, I really enjoy. The philosophies of this man. And just the way he approaches things. And he is an atheist. So already he's a big fat fucking idiot. And it's hard for me to engage. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, you know. If you want to have faith that there, that there's nothing. You know, that's that's on you. You know, that's on you. And, and I respect it. Respect, blah. Respect. But something al- al- along. I guess, was talking about is just, you know, as humans, we become so obsessed with this idea of that there's like a destination that we're trying to become something. We're trying to get somewhere right. And only if we could get there, then we would be there. We would have arrived that moment like, ah, I have arrived. And people, I think people do talk about it too in like people that have achieved a certain amount of success they they'll be in interviews and they'll talk about oh yeah that was that was when i knew i had arrived and so it kind of gives this illusory sense that 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 they've achieved you know a, a totally different state i guess and that they've that they, they, they are fulfilled and that they no longer have these longings that are deeply human but i don't think that's the case because you know, maybe sometimes they do talk about the ways they they still haven't arrived, the ways they're still yearning, the ways they're still searching for more, you know, the ways they've achieved all this and found that it wasn't enough to really stop that deep, deep itch of something that, you know, we all have, but we can't quite name, can't quite place. Um, and so Alan kind of talks about how there are kind of moments of fulfillment Moments that are really great and we've worked hard to achieve and, you know, we're visited by grace, by serenity, by, you know, we feel fulfilled, we feel like we've really accomplished something, we've done something, something amazing has come into our lives, but that does not happen for years, that does not happen for decades, that doesn't happen over the course of a lifetime, it's moments, right, because every time, as we exist, the nature of our existence is constant new inputs there's always something we might meet someone tomorrow we might go somewhere else tomorrow there's a new opportunity a missed opportunity tomorrow all these things are constantly happening so just as we have kind of processed and figured out a way to contend with what just happened and or maybe what we're going through right now surprise voila there's more that's the nature of time that's the nature of being that's the nature of existence so we just kind of keep on going on, and so if we constantly have this thought in our heads that, ah, okay, I'm so, I'm so close now, I'm going to hit that kind of turning point, and then I will have become, I will have whatever achieved, I will have, uh, you know, fill in the blank here, it's just going to amplify the negativity that we feel, the dissatisfaction. We, you know, we'll... It's just no way to live it's not a it's not a way to to find contentment or peace. it's a way to move away from those things. you know we just kind of move further into not appreciating our circumstances, the things we have, the things that we are and he has this view of humanity right as we are all just kind of barely hanging on. we're all so fragile and flawed and broken in ways, I don't know if he would say the word broken, that might be a little too pessimistic, but we have issues, you know, we have our idiosyncrasies, our peculiarities, our strangeness, and our darkness that we try to act like we don't have, you know, the rules of society dictate that we're going to engage with each other on this kind of artificial level of, you know, hey, we're we're doing all right. I'm a normal person doing normal things. Booty, 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 booty boo. I'm so normal. <laughs> and, and we don't, it's not seen as okay to talk about our pain. It's about, about our struggles, about the disappointments and the failures and the weird things. The things that we want and desire or, or crave that we don't feel comfortable to express because we we all just have this kind of conditioning that it's makes us uh that, that nobody would get it. That nobody would get it and people would disapprove and, and think lowly of you. And of course, where does that break down? Usually like in families, in truly close friendships, in, you know, intimate relationships. That's kind of what the how it begins, right? It's like I'm going to share something with you that's kind of breaking the social contract. It's something that you know, it's not just the run-of-the-mill daily conversation we're having with everybody. It's like for whatever reason, whatever, and most of the time it happens not consciously, right? It's just like something about the energy and the flow and the fucking chakras, not making that up. But we're just like, okay, you know, I'm going sh- to share this with you, you share this with me. And then before you know it, you're on this whole thing. And then, you know, and with love and with true long-term partnerships, you know, you're... With that constantly, you know you're constantly seeing the absolute worst, darkest sides of your partner, all these the, the strangeness, the idiosyncrasies, the, the the insecurities, the things that they don't feel safe or comfortable to express to the world. but you're also seeing all the most amazing, lovely, wonderful things that you you cherish so much. and I think that's and uh, as you go along, you know and you find that hey i accept all those things i you know that's part of you that's part of the package i love you we're working through this those things aren't going to make me think less of you or run away because guess what Blah! here's all my shit too <laughs> deal with that we're dealing with each other we're dealing with each other we're appreciating each other um but i just i don't know I, to, to me, it just felt so freeing. And it feels so freeing to constantly be in relationship with accepting yourself in all of your strangeness, all of your imperfection, all of the, the weirdness, right? And not saying like, Oh, my God, I, I did this again. I had an angry outburst. Oh, my God, I behave like a child throwing a tantrum oh I hate myself I'm the worst person ever you know I oh I did this oh I did that and just constantly beating yourself up for these behaviors that we are conditioned to believe that that we're not meant to exhibit but are deeply human you know but are deeply human and so it's a matter of saying like not to say like okay I'm, I'm more of that more of that please and but I guess finding that balance of like okay what are the steps I can do to, you know, be healthier, to, to feel better, to, to make overall progress, right? Uh, progress is so, it's such a vague term for all of us. It's like, oh, I want to be more emotionally in control. Oh, I want to be more disciplined. Oh, I want to be kinder, more empathetic, more peaceful, more patient, you know. The list goes on and on and on because we're constantly trying to find balance, you know, our personal balance. And we all have our own deficiencies, as we're working on that, I think it's so crucial to remember that that progress is not permanent, right, and we're gonna do all these things, yeah, like you progress, you grow, you achieve, sure, whatever, but you're still gonna have moments where you're like, "Wow, I really behaved like a three year old wow, that pain, that trauma from the past was so present in that moment, and I couldn't do anything to help how it just exploded out in that moment. And, you know, how do you not hate yourself? How do you not hate yourself for, for letting those things come out in those moments? And just to embrace the messiness of being human, you know? I mean, people want to act like, ah, oh, you're supposed to be an adult right now. You're supposed to grow up. You're, you know, you're at this age, et cetera, et cetera. But how many times do we see absolutely abhorrent, childish, boorish behavior from very old people, people who've been doing this whole life thing for a hell of years, you know? And and something that was brought up was like the Pope was caught slapping a a guy, you know, slapping one of his people. And so like how... You see the Pope doing something that is so he's supposed to be so mature and so so full of composure and compunction. And you see him here doing something that is so deeply human. It's like, oh, my God, sometimes we just get so upset and we just want to slap somebody in the face. And that's why we watch reality TV, you know, so So we can see those things exploding in a way that's like less judgmental than a lot of other social spheres. Because for me, you know, it's like I I have been plagued with that for a lot of my life of like, oh, I want to be this great actor. Oh, I want to have this achievement. Oh, I want my own TV show. I want to, you know, work with these directors. I want this level of status and success and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I felt that those were things that would define me as an actor and beyond that would define me as a valuable person, right, that I that was how i would earn my keep and my my right to exist as if it was something that i had to earn you know and i've been i've been reckoning with that a lot over the past couple of years and i i feel a lot better than i of course than i did at the outset of that journey you know and it's just wild to me thinking i mean just how little self knowledge i had and i was you know, I was young for parts of it. And then I was starting to become an adult and get older. And I still wasn't really having that self-reflection and that critical thought to the extent that would have been ideal. And now that I'm doing it, I can't help but to see that there are so many people much older than me that are not doing this work and don't really have self-knowledge, don't really think about What's going on with them and what they're trying to do and how they see themselves and what they feel they need to do to see themselves a certain way. And so they just kind of get trapped in repeating these awful, toxic, harmful patterns. And it's just sad, you know, I mean, no judgment, no judgment, because I know everybody's doing their best. But I, I see it and I'm just like, wow, they're really hurting so much when they don't need to hurt but they you know either don't want to do the work to figure out how to alleviate that suffering or don't know where the path even begins really and i think that is a very common thing and so you know i've so for me it's been about working away from that and being like okay let me just where am i right now you know what i mean i'm home i'm with family you know i'm not actively acting in LA in the industry but w- what did I learn in school do I still have those lessons have I still grown as a person immensely I'm an immensely different person than I was let's say it. I've been out for over two years now and then it's four years so yeah like six years ago oh my god thinking of who I was six years ago absolutely unrecognizable to me you know like sure I'm, I was always funny ha 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 yeah, <laughs> I was always super charismatic. Whatever, that's not going away. <laughs> but like, in the things that actually matter, where it's not just kind of temperament and disposition and and the little character traits, uh, my internal landscape is unrecognizable from where it was, you know, back then. And it's been about finding other ways to express my artistry in a way that where it just feels good for me. You know, it just feels, it's like. Yeah, because you know, I think acting too is something that's so it's so tied to commercialism. It's so tied to capitalism, right? Like I remember being at a you know with some of my musician friends, and we were at like a BJ's or or a yard house. We were at a yard house, and then the introductions were happening. It's like, oh yeah, so and so is a musician, so and so is a producer, and oh here's Jeremy, he's an aspiring actor, and they didn't mean anything by that, right? But. Acting, I think, is seen as so commercial where if we haven't seen you on TV or we haven't seen you on movies, we're not going to call you an actor yet, whereas all the other forms, it's the practice of the form that makes you that thing to paint is to be a painter. Well, not that anyone who just paints, stuff, but you know what I mean. To sing is to be a singer, to, you know, uh, do these things. To to, the, The practice of it makes you that thing in the eyes of most people. Whereas acting, the fact that you practice it and maybe have devoted many years of it and have a lot of experience doing it in theater, making videos on your own, whatever doesn't necessarily translate to people thinking of you and calling you an actor. And so, you know, I think it's it's very possible for people who've gone and got their acting degree and, you know, whether they're still in L.A., they're in New York, they're going for it or they're finding other ways to use those skills in that creativity to lead a fulfilling life. I think the average person would look and be like, oh, okay, so you're not doing what your degree was for, you know, you're not <laughs> using those skills, you're not an actor, you trained to be an actor, you're not an actor, and man, I don't know how to describe it, you know, I think that, I think I would say this, you know, what I think it means to be an actor, what does it mean, like, when, when your heart, when your soul, you know, like like that guy or girl, that person is an actor, for me, it's Someone who is endlessly fascinated with the, like I mentioned at the start of the podcast, endlessly fascinated with our idiosyncrasies, with our habits, with our patterns, you know, with the things that universally make us human and comprise our, you know, our emotional life, our social life, the kind of structures by which we live our lives. And also, All of the details, the things we do, the things we say, the things we believe, the things we feel that make us uniquely individual and exploring the intersections of of those things. I feel like if like. Those ideas right there, that's what gets you going more than anything else in existence, more than, you know, how do the parts of this mechanic thing work? How do the, does the microbiome of the heart affect heart disease? You know, all these other things that you can be fascinated with and get into. I feel like if that's kind of the trump card for you, and, you know, then you're an actor. And there are people, I guess, who... You know, maybe it could be fascinated with those things and they want to explore it through. Well, how can I do this through song? How can I do this through painting? How can I do this through other arts? <laughs> and then acting is just using your body when you're fascinated and you love the, the sensory feeling, right? Of using your body, your voice, your experiences, your emotional memory as the vessel for that exploration, As a way to convey, you know, like I remember this great quote I saw and I read to Monica and I'm like, oh, my God, I love that. But it was like the like cinema is the art of relating a single person to the world. And so it's like as we're on that journey, you know, the actor uses their body to be a part of that process relating this, you know, this experience to the world. I'm relating consciousness. What is it to be perceiving the world? What is it to walk through my day and interact with other people and have longings and have hopes and dreams and things get fulfilled and things get crushed and destroyed and stomped and disappointed and hurt and betrayed? You know, what do all of these things mean and what is the through line and how we all experience them and how might we experience them in the future in a more resilient, optimistic, positive, hopeful way. And I think that's what it is to be an actor. <laughs> but something I, I, I loved that Alan was talking about, you know, he kind of talks about what is art for, really? And he kind of bring, bring, blah, 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 brings up this idea that artists in general are not always the sharpest thinkers and the sharpest critical thinkers. And throughout times in history, you know, the renaissance, um, and that's the only one I can think But throughout a bunch of societies in the past, a lot of the creatives have been kind of directed by thinkers, you know, by kind of a different... A different section of society, you know, where it's like, okay, what is, and so what Alana is kind of getting at is like, well, what is this art for? What are we trying to do? Are we trying to increase empathy toward this group? Are we trying to relate the consciousness of what it means to be in a relationship to somebody? Are we trying to fight against the, you know, immense powers and fascism of the Catholic Church, you know, what exactly are we trying to do? Are we trying to just show, you know, an appreciation of beauty? Are we just trying to convey the immense beauty and the simplicity of a dandelion? And he has this thought that, you know, why is it that certain periods breed dozens of renowned artists? you got 300 amazing artists all out of this one period versus other periods, countries... You know, oh my God, there hasn't been a single artist of note from that place in over a hundred years. What's going on? Is it because their painters are less skilled? And I don't, that's not it, right? We're not necessarily so moved by skill. Skill matters, of course. But there are many skilled painters. There are many skilled actors. There are many skilled singers who we have, we have no idea who they are. I mean, me personally, I think a big part of it is your personal voice, your personal print, you look at a Van Gogh you know it's a Van Gogh you know his style, Picasso you know a Picasso when you see you know, an art student, like Monet's, Manet's there's a distinguishing thing when I hear Post Malone on the radio I know that's Post Malone, did I just compare Post Malone to Van Gogh? Absolutely I did I did do that <laughs> but what Alan kind of talks about is that you know when a period when when the the artists know what they are trying to achieve through their art. There's a kind of mass understanding, maybe arrived at by the intellectuals, by the thinkers, by the philosophers. Things blossom, amazing things come out of that because it's like a utilitarian purpose, right? It's it's doing something to the people of that time of that civilization, and it echoes and and it continues to do something to people throughout time, throughout space, throughout the world. And when that kind of becomes muddy and artists are kind of left to their own devices, oftentimes that doesn't happen. There isn't that flourishing and there's kind of a floundering because they're just kind of trying to figure it out and piece it together and be like, well, maybe I kind of feel like doing this or I feel like doing that and then they'll just put it out there and, you know, what happens with that? (laughs) And Elon also, he kind of, I mean, he gets into, you know, what is it that art might do for us? And he kind of lays out five basic possibilities for what art is capable of that I thought were super cool. And the first is perhaps the most obvious, you know, which is to keep up hope. You know, particularly with works that are pretty, works that are beautiful, works that just have that optimistic energy to them. And so it's, you know, we we encounter that work, a song, a painting, uh, you know, a a film. And maybe we're in a place where we need that pick-me-up. We need a little bit of help to see the light on the horizon because we've been going through a tough time. Because the realities, the harshness that are so present in life have accumulated and are kind of dragging us down. And here's that little breath of fresh air. We have some hope. Another possibility he talks about the second of the five is that art can help us to feel less lonely. You know, I I mentioned earlier in the podcast, just talking that, you know, we, there are these things in us that we are trained to think are not appropriate to talk about. Things that are not universal, things that are embarrassing, things that are shameful, things we ought to hold inside. And it can dehumanize us. You know, we can start to feel like we're not proper humans. There's There's, there's something wrong with us. And that we do have these quote unquote unique issues. And so when we see those same things that we were too afraid to utter to other people in a public space. And we see that expressed in a public venue, you know, at a museum, at the movies, at something like, oh, I'm not alone. I'm not alone in going through this, you know, and that that makes all the difference. And, and I think people have talked about that for a long time. You know, where it's like, oh, my God, this, you know, Kid Cudi, your album got me through this. Your al- You saved my life. You did this, you know, Juice World. Oh, your music, you know, really spoke to me, spoke to my soul. You totally, you know, you th- we have we can form such strong emotional connections because we happen to encounter an artist's art who spoke to those things inside of us. Those things that felt like they had no outlet and they gave an outlet to show, hey. That part of you is human because I'm human and I'm going through it too. And uh, the third thing that art can do is help to balance us, right? Help to balance us back out. Like maybe, you know, we've been really, maybe we've been in the city. We've been in the city for months and months and months and months and we haven't taken a hike in nature. We haven't seen a tree that isn't surrounded by skyscrapers. And then we go to the museum and we see this beautiful photograph Of the most lush forest landscape and it it feels like something in us is is having balance again, you know? Let's say that we've been holding in all of our neuroses and our anger and, and that craziness and we've been so composed. We've been so orderly and controlled in our daily life, in our interactions with people and we see an absolute shit show of a painting where there's just chaos and violence and insanity. And it reflects that inner landscape that we've been keeping to ourselves. And we're like, so nice to have that outlet. You feel balanced, you know, to get that little, that dose, that little edible measured dosage of craziness. And that's so valuable, you know? And I think too that, that that works on a larger scale of When a society is plagued by an abundance of a certain value, and then we start to see art that is in conflict with that value, really amazing things can happen. Oftentimes, it becomes a huge movement. You know, what are movements but resistance and opposition to prevailing social patterns of the time? For example, right, it's like, let's say, okay, we're in America, Capitalism is getting so out of control and then, you know, uh, a brand of cinema becomes very, very popular that is all about living simply and not uh, aspiring to, you know, have the nicest car and the nicest home and the nicest blah, 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 blah. And it's more about, hey, what are the more simple values that are accessible to every single one of us, regardless of our socioeconomic status? And then let's take those values and remind people how important they are and how dope they can be and how we should strive to live our life, uh, cherishing them and filling our days with more of them. And then it becomes this whole, it's like, oh my God, it's the, I don't even know what to call it. Poorism. It's poorism. No, <laughs> you know, and that's constantly happening. And, and I think that's what, when I, when I think about, you know, what are the most kind of significant art pieces, art movements throughout history, they're always taught in context, like, okay, here's what was happening in this place at that time, right before this piece of art was made. And here is how this art was a response to what was going on with the people of that time. And that's why it's endured. And that's why it's so significant. That's why we still talk about it. Because it was a total upheaval, a total rejection, a total, you know, reconfiguration, a total, let's look at the cube from a totally different angle. I think great art does that. And it, it can be so freeing, you know, just because sometimes when you're heavy into a certain thing, right? So much capitalism, so much fascism, so much anger, so much, you know, valuing of religion, whatever. It can seem like that's all there is. Like, wow, this is the only way to be. This is the only thing to value. This is all there is to life. And then you get the antithesis to that and you're shocked awake and like, wow, I'm alive again because I realize there's so many more options. Things don't have to be this way. You know, things can be so different. You know, I do think that's why art is tied to politics and social movements in so many instances because that's what it is. It's it's envisioning a better world. And sometimes that's very individual to the artist, what they see as a better world. Other times, countless people, it resonates with them. and Like, yes, that is a better world. Woo, let's lift that up. Let's make it a thing. Let's make it a movement. Let's spread it around. Let me show my friends. And it takes off. And it absolutely takes off. And the fourth thing that Alon talks about, which kind of ties into the third thing, which is about this art can help us appreciate things. You know, like... The way society can kind of lead us to value this, value this. This is important. Make sure you do this. It's like, oh, you didn't get a super dope promotion or you didn't get a really fat bonus. Ah, fuck. You know, I guess you you don't deserve to be happy. You're not going to be because you weren't productive enough to do this. Whatever it is, you know, there's countless things. But it can just, you know, art can just be like a shifting, you know, where it's like you see like a painting of a bowl of fruit and you're like, damn, bowls of fruit are dope. (laughs) <laughs> like how shitty would life be if we didn't have bowls of fruit, just like these simple ass things, uh, you know, or it could be like, you know, what's like another, like a super, like maybe like, it's like a boy and a girl sitting on a, like a swing and like one of those double swings. And it's like, wow, really those moments are great. Cause it's just you and a person. Ideally that means something to you. You're out in nature away from chaos and insanity. And you're just taking a moment to just, you know, feel the air, feel the world and be among it. And you don't have all these pressures. You know, I think uh, art can really like bring us back to simplicity, bring us back to, you know, values that can seem so obvious but are so easy to get led astray from. And then when we have a return to it, it's like, whoa, that's amazing. It's amazing. It's like, oh, thanks for, rem- thanks for reminding me of that. Cezanne, you know, thank you for reminding me of, of the beauty of that with your painting. <laughs> <laughs> and the fifth thing is that art is propaganda for what really matters. And really what I'm realizing is that his third, fourth, and fifth thing are all kind of the same thing. So you could have just said three things that art can help us do. Alain de but that's what it is, you know, it helps us to refocus. Um, I think art what it should what it usually is and should strive to be is just a constant reminder for us to be our best most fulfilled loving kind selves or you can stop it better you know just for better selves if you don't want to add all those other things i remember like when i was trying to get into cal arts i talked about you know i kind of intuitively felt a lot of these things and i was like you know Just the way we treat each other, the the way we argue, the the things that get riled up between human beings. Sometimes I need to see a good piece of art to just be reminded, oh, be a little more forgiving, be a little kinder, be a little gentler. You can look at it like this, and that's a, a bit more optimistic, isn't it? And just kind of having that switching going on. And I wrote about how I wanted to make those things. That's why I wanted to go to acting school. That's why I wanted to be an actor. Because I wanted to be a part of reminding people, even momentarily, of what it really means to be human. What it really means to be alive. The things you get to do. The beauty we get to experience. That we can so easily forget when we get caught up in, you know pushing papers and just doing like the humdrum routine of survival and I wanted to do that because I need those reminders constantly myself every day every single like I'm doing this whole podcast right now I'm gonna wake up tomorrow morning and probably feel kind of shitty and probably feel like what the fuck is going on with my life and while we're still in COVID And I just want to act and I want to do all these things and I want, you know, to be more successful. I want money, blah, 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 blah. And I'll need a reminder to be like, hey, simplify, Jeremy. Be grateful. You have so much. There's abundance, you know. You woke up in a bed. You're safe. You know, you have a wonderful, loving girlfriend. You have a supportive family. Everybody here is trying to help each other out and do their best. And, you know, just all these things. That you know, every day I just need a little nudge, and I I try to set myself up to get that nudge. You know, so I have like my morning routines of like meditation, affirmations, visualizations, journaling. I try to do th- kind things to the people in my life. I try to help them out. I try to you know, as much as possible. I just try to set myself up so I can encounter things that jar that in me. Or it's like okay, I'm gonna watch an episode of this today. Or I'm going to, you know, play this today. Just constantly trying to, I guess, set up encounters with experiences, whether it's my own experiences or whether it's work other people have done to remind me what this is all about. What it's all about, baby. And I try to make these things because, who, you know, if I can get to like one or two, or 10 million 10 million. Hey guys, can you like this? let's get it to 10 million. No, I'm just kidding <laughs> But just getting to other people and being today's reminder, you know so hey, here's your daily reminder of you know, here's the things that life is about. there's no destination. here's the beauty of art. And uh, hell yeah, I literally like started recording and I wanted to just fucking talk for five minutes. I was like, let me just do like a five minute daily thing. And here I am, fucking 42 minutes later. It's okay. It's good. I'm glad I did this. I'm glad I did this. Well, hey, thanks for rocking with your boy. Uh, What the hell's today? I think it's Wednesday. Well, hey, have a happy Wednesday. You're not going to see this today. (laughs) Whatever the hell day it is for you. Have a great day. Uh, You know, take care of yourself. That's what I'm going to say. That's good. Just take care of yourself and take and and if you've if you're able to do that, if you're able to take care of yourself today, take care of a loved one. And you do those two things every day, we're going to be all right, baby. We're going to be all right. <sighs> thank you. Thank you for listening. Check out my YouTube videos at not funny funny guy. Also Instagram, Twitter, same thing. You know, keep up with whatever I'm posting. I usually try to post different stuff on different platforms. Um, and I also have another podcast I do with my buddies, Tri House Tells the Mysteries of Histories. We talk about stuff of history, conspiracy theories, weird cryptids and creatures, and stuff like that. And also me and Matt are working on this kind of like radio play, like a serialized radio play type thing. Keep out for look out for that. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. Like talking, like making a podcast. Because it's almost like I'm making it for the sake of... Maybe like five people will hear this. <laughs> and if five people even click on the podcast, maybe like one person listens to the whole thing, if that. That'd be high. That'd be like a 20% listen rate. But um, you know, but it's all good. But it's all good. Um, <laughs> people listening in. Oh. I'm a wild boy. Yeah, I feel like I'm in like one of those like zombie movies where the person just keeps a vlog and they just keep on recording like i don't know if anybody's ever gonna see this but if anybody ever sees this this is what happened here because nobody's ever gonna listen to this damn thing so that's why (laughs) well hey i'm having fun and if you are listening thank you hope it helps you